How is everyone doing this evening? I was trying so hard, you know, to come up with this amazing, nice, lengthy three-point, four-point sermon. And in my prep, I really felt that God was just wanting me to keep it super simple. I literally only have a couple of slides um, this evening. But I asked Dean to play in the background, and I think we'll do some worship after. But I just want to say, it is, it's really sweet that each and every one of you is here tonight. It's really sweet. And every time you choose to um, go online and do the sign up and, and whatever and, and arrive here, it's amazing. And it's going to benefit you, I promise you. Because I really feel encouraged. I don't know about you, but the last few months... Um, of things that have been going on in our world have highlighted things for me, as I'm sure they have for you, that um, God has just bringing some major adjustments in my life. Um, so, <clears throat> I, can, I can only speak for myself, but what I could say is I feel like there was this disconnect inside of me, which, which was kind of taking place between me functioning in local church just for the sake of functioning in local church, as opposed to me participating in local church as a, as a real connection point for relationship with God and with man. And I, and I think what's so interesting is what's happening in our world seems to have affected the church more than anything else that, that's happened in my lifetime. I don't know about you. I mean, I never thought I would be sitting in a room with 50 people 50 feet apart from each other the way we're sitting tonight. Um, but I do think that God is highlighting something in his church, which it means to be not just, a, not just a churchgoer, but a Christ follower. I don't know about you, but it's, I've noticed that we, we as a church are so quick to jump on bandwagons. We're so quick to, like, especially with everything going on in the world, we're so quick to vocalize our opinions and so quick to, to, to pick a side and do all these things. And yet, when I look at the life of Jesus, Jesus didn't do that. You ever notice that? When people try to trap Jesus, like, are you pro this or are you against this? Are you, is it A or is it B? And Jesus would always come with C. Do you know what I mean? And so the other thing that he would always do is he would always ask questions. So before Jesus gave an answer, he would ask a question. And it just reminded me that sometimes in our local gatherings as a church, when there's a few hundred people in the room, it's very easy for us to just show up and to hear someone talk and then to go home. But can I encourage you? I feel challenged by the way that Jesus lived his life. The reason he asked questions was because he was more interested in people's hearts than he was in getting the right sermon or message across. And I think what I feel super challenged about is that in my mind, when local church came about a building and getting together and a good presentation, God is reminding me that it's about encountering his presence. I don't know about you, but it would be so easy for us to go through the motions. And, and C.S. Lewis has this quote. He says, the pathway to hell or the road to hell is soft underfoot, gradual, with no sudden turns, no sudden milestones. 
But I feel like for us as Christians, God has called us and he's given us this wake-up call that we can either respond to in a, in a godly way or we can turn a blind eye to it and pretend. And I don't know about you, but have you felt in your life that there's areas that this whole thing going on, this pandemic has, in, in the middle of it, things have been thrown off and you've run really hard to try and get back to the way things were? Anyone? I don't know about you, but for me, there's been certain things where in my mind, I'm almost like, I got to get back to the things, the, the way things were. But then I felt God challenging me saying, is the way things were what I've called you to? Psalm 20, verse 7 and 8 says this, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand. There's this story in Acts 8. Because I was just thinking about, has anyone here, if you're being brutally honest with me, have you found it hard to come back into local church? The camera zoomed in on me, so we can't see any of your hands. But who here has found it a little bit difficult getting back into the, into the motion of being in community? Yes, I'm seeing some nods, discreet nods. Can I just say that for me, it has been the same thing. There's been certain things that have been easy to run back into and certain things that have been hard. It's been this uncomfortable feeling of like, ah, oh, like this is work or whatever. And yet in all of it, I feel like God's saying, what do you value? What do you value? You know, in Acts, in Acts 8, there's a story about Stephen. And Stephen is, is a, a man who's absolutely on fire for God. He's a passionate preacher. And he's standing before the Sanhedrin. Um, and, these, and the Sanhedrin is a bunch of gnarly, gnarly guys who uh, want to kill him. And he is proclaiming the truth of the gospel of Jesus, which goes so counter to the people in the Sanhedrin, the priests and the elders and all these guys, because they were super legalistic. They were all about being, um, obeying the law by the letter, and they weren't very much interested necessarily in a passionate relationship with God or in a gospel that didn't require works to qualify. And so while he is um, preaching, this crazy thing happens where they basically just have an uproar and he, they just say, we want to kill him, we want to kill him. And we know that the story is that the, the great apostle Paul, before he was Paul, his name was Saul. And he was standing there and he was approving what was going on as they stoned Stephen and they killed him. And for a lot of us, we're in a pandemic here where most of us don't know someone necessarily that's experienced the virus and all this kind of stuff. But we're in this pandemic and there's fear in the air. And some of us as Christians might even call this persecution. Would I dare to go there? Is this persecution? But the persecution that was happening here was a lot more intense. It involved rocks and, um, and people with probably pretty good throws. So someone's life is in danger. So he gets killed. And what's interesting to me that happens here is that the church gets scattered. And when the church gets scattered, there's two ways that this can go. Because I don't know about you, but for me, being out of community, being out of the space with fellow believers, it has felt more like a coal being taken from the fire. But what happens in Acts is this. In verse 4 of chapter 8, it says, Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. 
And Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. And when the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. And so there was great joy in that city. Can I encourage us this evening? When the church, the early church was under pressure, it wasn't the feeling of each person being pulled out of the fire like an individual coal that's slowly going out. But instead, the gospel spread like wildfire. And can I suggest, because I know this is the case for me, is that the uncomfortableness that I've experienced in coming into a smaller group, do you know why that is? Because we can't hide as easily. We can't just go through the motions as easily. And we could treat that as a threat, or we could treat that as a sovereign opportunity by God inviting us back into a place of intimacy. Because the second we start to feel uncomfortable in here, like, oh, this is... This is new. This is, ugh. I would love to ask us, how's it going here? The second I lose the intimacy with the Father, the second I stop spending time in His presence, it's so interesting how the relationships around me can become a little bit uncomfortable. But can I just say, God is inviting us back into the secret place with Him. Last, last week, at the end of our service, I wasn't expecting it, and I just all of a sudden started to have this sense that God was, was just encouraging us back into that secret place. In Psalm 40, verse 1, it says this, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He turned to me, and He heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. And many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in Him. I really do think it's about simplicity and intimacy. I love the way Paul writes to the, to the church in Corinth in, in 2 Corinthians. He says, Make room for us in your hearts. We haven't wronged you. We haven't corrupted you. We aren't exploiting you. I do not say this to condemn you. I have said before that you had such a place in our hearts that we would live or die with you. I have spoken to you with great frankness. I take great pride in you. I am greatly encouraged in all our troubles. My joy knows no bounds. I love that. Paul's saying, make room for us in your hearts. He's writing to a church because he's passionately in love with them, intimately in love with them. And I, and I feel like the only reason he can say what he's saying and call people into that place, make room for us, is because he is so sure that he has made room in his heart for the church. And I think it's because this same writer, Paul, says somewhere else that Christ's love compels us. You see, Paul wasn't reacting. Paul wasn't trying to make it happen. Paul was simply responding to the overwhelming sense of God's love in his life. That, that, that verse, Christ's love compels us, that word compels is the word seneco. And that word seneco is like when, um, it's to be like um, pressed on all sides. It's like when a, when a ship goes through the, a narrow strait and the current is forcing it down. It's like that thing. It's like Christ's love compels me. I'm so convinced, I'm so compelled by his love that I have to respond. 
Anyone here get affected by like the last three months in your work or like in your job, anything like that? Um, I can't imagine if, if to be someone who lost a job or had something serious happen or had someone with the virus who passed away, I can't imagine what that was like. Um, I can speak from my own example. Our, our business was so busy. Like we stayed so busy. It was like, I looked at it and I said, I said to my wife, I said, honestly, we're going to look back on this and just be like, it was like we lived in the blessing of God. I'm so grateful for it. But I have to say that something got highlighted in my life that I could easily ignore. And if I had ignored it, I could just continue and I could have probably survived a long time. But God highlighted something for me in my own personal life that I'm a bit of a workaholic. When you talk about your own things, you can talk about it, you know, subjectively stand back and sort of look at it from a distance and like, oh yeah, I'm a workaholic and all these things. But, but I'm saying it on a, on, a, on a heart level that God highlighted it to me because it's an area that he wants me to change. It's an area that he wants to change in me. I've been, I've been always prized working very hard in what I do. And when this whole thing happened, I had every excuse in the books to just keep working hard because who knows what could happen next and all these things. But God was highlighting to me that actually the reason I do it is because I'm, I don't want to trust him. And I feel, I feel challenged in it because I think what God is wanting to highlight for all of us is that in, in, the, in the last months that have passed, we could treat it like everything is the devil or we could be humble and we could come to God and say, God, what are you highlighting in my life? What are you highlighting? What are you wanting to change? How are you wanting to draw me in? If we have, have, have gone through this whole thing and we feel like we're a coal snatched from the fire, then maybe there's something that God wants to change. Psalm 127 says this, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. I love that. He grants sleep to those he loves. You know, when I was working like a crazy man, which was a lot, ask my wife, when you're early in business, you can justify the crazy if anyone's in business because you have to get the job done. You just have to make it happen. It's tough slugging and all these things. But I got so accustomed to just that thing of just going, going, going. And then you just start to just rely on it. And then you start to see what you have to do and see what you have to do. And it just turns into this into this negative cycle of more, 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 more. And I, I can think of multiple times for me where I had to pull all-nighters. But then to read this, for he grants sleep to those he loves. You know, on the seventh day, God rested. Did God need rest? No, he's God. Yet he rested because it showed 
us that God could take a position of being satisfied with what he did. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 4, reading out of the message. He says, Since God has so generously let us in on what he is doing, we are not about to throw up our hands and walk off the job just because we run into occasional hard times. We refuse to wear masks and play games. Wear masks? Play games? Isn't that what's happening in our world? Everyone's wearing masks. I, I go into one shopping store and I'm like, you know, it's totally fine. And then we come here and everyone's like so far away and you're like, oh my gosh. And then you go to another store and everyone's like, ah. And then other stores are like, nope, step away, please. It feels like a bit of a game because I don't know when I'm in the right or in the wrong. Has anyone been there? And if you're susceptible to only things, I'm not, I'm not making fun. I'm just saying it's, it feels a bit funny to me going into different environments at different levels of severity and all these things. But Paul says he's not wearing a mask and he's not playing a game. He also wasn't going through a pandemic. But he says, we don't maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes. And we don't twist God's word to suit ourselves. If you only look at us, you might as well miss the brightness. We carry this precious message around in the unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. That's to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. And that verse that I just read is what we hear is the classic verse, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. You guys have all heard this thing. We have this treasure in jars of clay. It's so interesting. I looked up this word treasure and it's literally the word thesaurus. We have this treasure in jars of clay. We have this thesaurus in jars of clay. And what's a thesaurus? A thesaurus is a resource that helps us find the best word for the situation. So what is Paul saying? Paul is saying that we have this thesaurus. We have the ability to find the best word for the situation inside of this simple clay pot that we are. Can I encourage us that in the busyness of our lives and everything that's going on, God is calling us back to the simple, intimate knowledge of who he is. The same gospel that saves us is the same gospel that keeps us. God is reminding me how important it is that each day I take a moment to let him change me. You see, the second we start to take a step towards God, the Bible tells us that when we draw near to him, he draws near to us. I love this thing. Unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor, labor in vain. Unless the Lord guards the city. Let me ask you, what are you building and what are you guarding in your life? You know, I, I have parents that loved Jesus and served Jesus with their lives. From the time that they became Christians, they passionately loved Jesus and desired to serve him wholeheartedly. And I'll tell you, I've always thought there's this proverb that says, um, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And I've always thought of that as think, oh man, like, you know, this is, uh, this is like, you know, you have to leave something for your children's children. 
And it was so funny how quickly my mind went to stuff. You know, isn't it easy? We want to make sure our families are taken care of and all these things. And I just felt God challenged me one day with Mila. I was like, what do you want to leave Mila? Would you not, rather than leaving her riches, which could actually cause her to trust in the wrong thing, would you not want to leave her a legacy of what it means to love and serve Jesus wholeheartedly out of a response to his goodness and his grace? And I know we're quiet here this evening, and that's totally cool. But I actually feel like God just wants to rekindle our love and our passion for him on a deep level. It's, it's like I just see this picture of God just blowing through our hearts. And it's like just the dusty ashes just comes flying off. It's like in all the movies where someone just blows on that thing and then it just reveals something of beauty, something of color. Because I feel like in this while there's been, the enemy has allowed, uh, has been subtle and almost, almost like blatant in our faces, drawing us out, Right? He seeks to, to kill, steal, and destroy, and devour, and he, we, you know, and, he, and he wants to divide us and draw us away from the, from the pack and all these kinds of things. And God is just reminding us to come home, come home, come home. I would love us to spend a bit of time worshiping. I don't really know. You know, I was thinking, God, what is it about this season? What is it about us as a community being here, being together, that, that what can we highlight? Because it, it would be easy for me to go, oh, I just can't wait till we go back to the, you know, everyone together again and we're doing this and that. But otherwise, but like, think about it logically. Like as a worship team, for example, how quickly do we want to just like, oh, let's get the sounds. Let's get back on the stage, the full band. Let's get the whole team back together. And And yet God might be highlighting something to us. I just felt like for us to take some time and worship God, and then we're just going to see where it goes. Is that cool? I, I wanted to make an amazing message, but I actually just feel like God wants to just minister to us just totally simply. As we just draw near to him, he draws near to us. I honestly don't have a plan. I just feel that God wants to speak to us and change us. So if... We can have just simple, whatever. But um, if you feel like God is highlighting something to you that you think would be pertinent for all of us to hear and you want to declare it or um, share a testimony, whatever it is, just come up and just come talk to me. And uh, if it's the right time, we'll, we'll, definitely, we'll definitely do it. But just be encouraged that God is so good. God is so, so good. The second, like, the second we turn to God, isn't it amazing that he just shows up? So Lord, I just pray right now. I thank you, Father, that you use foolish people to confound wise people. Lord, that you use the things that are not to nullify the things that are. 
And Lord, I thank you that it's through your Holy Spirit that we can come to you and have a life of intimacy with you, that we can know the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of your heart. Lord, I just pray that you would reveal your love and your kindness to us, to us this evening. Lord, I thank you that your presence renews our youth. Lord, it reminds us of who we are. Lord, and we just take a posture of humility this evening. Lord, we just take a posture of saying, God, have your way in our midst. Lord, we don't want to fabricate anything. Lord, we simply want to respond to your goodness.